And we are on. Good evening, everyone. Officials here. Corruption is in boxing is currently not here, not available, but it's very possible that he joins in later down the stretch. Hold on. Okay. Okay, I shared the links. Anyone who wants to help the show, you can do the same. Uh, let me put on a banner. Yeah, so we are going to talk about uh, the trilogy in between Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. And a few words as well about um, some fights that took place on the card. The same night, the same card. Just give me a little second. Um, okay. First of all, how you enjoyed the fight and how you saw it. Okay, before talking about the main event, let me just get in a few words about uh, F.A. Jagba versus, um, almost said Ortiz versus Sanchez, as well as Berlanga's fight. Berlanga's fight, I, I was not really paying a close attention when it comes to, to scoring the rounds, but I really did have an impression that he lost that fight. I may be wrong. Maybe I should rewatch it. But it looked to me like he was losing that fight. He even got dropped in the ninth round. But yeah, it just tells you that he has a long way to go before uh, being taken seriously in this part of sport of boxing. I mean, yeah, hell of a puncher. Uh, couple that with his Puerto Rican fan base, and uh, no doubt you have uh, you have someone who is going to put the asses in the seats. But as far as his uh, skills go, his uh, his boxing goes not that good, man. And the last time. During his last fight, I mean, the show we did after his last fight or when he struggled against his opponent, was it Anderson, if I'm not wrong? I'm not sure 100%. I think the guy's name was Anderson, but yeah, he was uh, a guy, his opponent in the previous fight that, that could do, he was able to do a bit of everything go on the inside, move around, use the lateral movement. And it clearly showed me his limitations. But at the same time, I was, I, I clearly saw in that fight that despite him struggling and uh, having a lot of technical deficiencies, that he was trying to, to make some moves. He, he had the right ideas on how to defend from, from punches, etc. 
but he was terrible at exercising what he was actually trying to do in the ring uh, when it comes to his defense, to counter-punching, even his offense, but mainly his counter-punching and defense. Uh, it strikes me like uh, he's trying to to do what Canelo does, especially Canelo, this current version of Canelo, this 168 version of Canelo, very aggressive, stacking his opponents, but not so good, man. And he falls out of balance. He He's not... He doesn't have the right foot placement in order to counterpunch and to, to, to step out of range and uh, come back in with, uh, with a counter of his own. Uh, really, really struggling. So comparing to his last fight, I was at least hoping to see him show me some, at least some minor uh, improvements, but that was, there was none of it. Uh, on the contrary, he was he was even worse. But true to be told, uh, I was analyzing much more deeper his uh, his previous fight. So this one I only watched it live, and so I may be wrong about it. But terrible, terrible performance from Berlanga. Big up to Nordic Warrior. He's uh, he's an OG on YouTube, on YTBC when it comes to boxing. God bless to you, Nordic, as well. Thank you for stepping by. Yeah, so that that I would say that there is uh, not much else to say about Berlanga and his performance. He got dropped. His uh, his uh, defense was non-existent. He was eating punches. Um, whenever his Argentinian opponent, I think his name was Kakaris, correct me if I'm wrong, cannot remember his name exactly. Sorry to him for that. But yeah, he was doing well. He was boxing well. And certainly when he was bouncing, rocking backwards and forwards on his front and back foot, uh, playing with the range. He made Berlanga struggle. Uh, also, his lateral movement. And whenever he's, he was putting it on on, uh, on Berlanga, Berlanga had no answer for him, to him. So, yeah, very terrible defense. Performance, I, would, I wanted to say. Performance, sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, in order to, to, to give you some deeper analysis, I would be obliged to, to rewatch the fight and analyze it, but who gives a fuck <laughs> at this point, to be honest with you? He, he, needs to be, uh, he needs to do better. There, I would say there are many much more impressive Puerto Rican fighters than him. Uh, and not only... Zayas, what's his full name? Zander Zayas, I think. He he's a young 168 pound fighter, or uh, is it his weight? Oh no, he's uh, he's a uh, small. He's he's a light middleweight, rather a light middleweight, I think. Yeah, but not only him. I only spoke 
already spoke spoke highly about uh, Emmanuel Rodriguez. Well, and him, his career not going so well. Uh, but also many other smaller guys, one of them being uh, Bomba Jonathan Gonzalez. He's a light flyweight. Uh, you may know him from losing to Tanaka recently, about a year ago, I would say. But uh, yeah, T- Tanaka was two weight classes bigger than him, but... I would say Bomba Jonathan Gonzalez is is hell of a boxer, counterpuncher. Uh, hold on, I'm getting some man. I'm getting some notification from uh, from YouTube. There is some copyright claim. I hope it's not uh, Pacquiao. Fuck it is. <laughs> oh man. Oh no. Never mind, but never mind, never mind, never mind. Yeah, that would be all when it comes to Berlanga and his performance. Good evening to Fabio to Fabio Wardley. Good evening, sir. He says Berlanga goes into the hype bracket. Zander's ass is impressive. Yeah, 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 Fabio. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I totally agree with you, man. By the way, uh, welcome. Welcome, Fabio. Fabio, Fabio, sorry for mispronouncing, possibly mispronouncing your name. Um, yeah, so the other fight I wanted to talk about from, from the same card before going into the main event was Efe Jagba fighting Sanchez. His full name, uh, Luis Sanchez, or no? No, cannot remember now. But anyways, you may be surprised, but I haven't really watched Sanchez's fights up till the day before this fight, before his fight against the Dragba. I went on to to study his style a bit because I was betting on that fight. And uh, I saw a lot of good things about him about uh, this very old looking 27 year old guy <laughs> who would say i'm uh, four years older than him <laughs> yeah those cuban year years cuban age but huge 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 respect to to sanchez very good I mean, I'll get into that a bit deeper in a second, but in my opinion, it was a very good performance. And uh, studying his fights, a couple of his fights, uh, just like I told you a day before his fight, before this card, I saw that he's he's very explosive, very very impressive. The way, I I mean, he's very explosive with his feet and uh, even with his punches, very quick punches. Now he sometimes he telegraphs his right uppercut jumping in, which may cost him a knockdown or even a knockout. But a very good, very talented fighter, and especially being that you know that we we always wonder about uh, the real age of these Cuban professional boxers. 
uh, even with Sanchez, everybody doubting that he is really at 27 years old, including myself. It was even more so impressive uh, to, 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 see, to see his explosiveness, his quickness. Uh, by the way, good evening to Paja, Paja or Paja. He says, hi, official, and the chat. Hi, Paja. Big up to you as well. Yeah, Ajagba. Now, Ajagba, it was kind of the same thing. I haven't seen a lot of him, a lot of his fights, many of his fights before this fight. I mean, I saw, I caught live a couple of them. Two or three of them was never impressed, especially that one that he had, uh, not the very last fight, but a fight before his last fight. I mean, two or three fights ago, a 10-rounder where, where uh, he went uh, went the distance with the American guy. Oh, big up to Bispace. Hello, hello to you. Bonsoir, bonsoir, Bispace. Bienvenue, bienvenue. <laughs> yeah, but anyways, Ajagba, look, he, he has the right ideas in the ring, but he's, he's so, let me quote, Mayweather Jr. straight up and down no special effects and that, that suits him so perfectly. I mean, he is looking for that one to, to, to place that big overhand right. He is a, he's a classic one, two, three type, type of fighter. But yeah, very, very, very easy to read. Very robotic, extremely robotic. And by the way, analyzing his fights, um, so I, I was surprised when I saw his fight from from about, was it three or four years ago? I would say from three years ago, I think it was from 2018, 2018 where he was fighting uh, a German guy, forgot his name, a short, chubby guy the Turkish guy that's fighting out of Germany. Uh, his name is on top of my tongue, but cannot remember it. Well, in that fight, no, knowing Ajagba for being so robotic and slow, actually watching that fight surprised me because he was a pure boxer there and he was moving all the time. He, he was pumping that jab nonstop. And uh, unlike nowadays where uh, he, he, pump, he throws the jab just to, 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 break, uh, to break the opponent's defense in order to... Yeah, Ezzy. And, and good evening, Ezzy. Yeah, Damirazen. Thank you a lot, Ezzy. Damirazen, by the way, good evening to you as well as to Triple JJJ. He's back from the ashes like a phoenix. <laughs> triple JJJ saying, what up my Triple JJJ nation? What up my Triple JJJ army? I will be back. <laughs> Big up Triple JJJ. Yeah, so, but to get back to Ajakba. Oh, before going back to Ajakba, good evening to the Quags as well. Vokedov, Cupcake. Oh, some low blows aimed towards Triple JJJ, but I'll stay out of that. 
Uh, anyway, Sajak, but yeah, in that fight against uh, Demirazen, the Turk guy, it impressed me because I only knew him for, for being super robotic. So in that fight, he was pumping his jab nonstop and not, not only throwing uh, a hard jab that would be immediately followed up by the overhand right, but instead he was content with pumping it just to, to score and to, to even prevent uh, the Marizan to come in into the pocket. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm very well, the quacks. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing well. So this show will not go for three hours like usual uh, for those tuning in right now. Corruption may possibly jump in later to, to give his assessment of the main event, but not sure for now. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. He's occupied. We'll see. Yeah, so that fight, when I saw that fight, I was wondering what happened with uh, Fat Jack but in the meantime. And look, he does, does the right things, like I said, uh, going up and down, trying to faint, uh, go down with, with his jab in order to set up the overhand right, but so robotic, I mean... The timing lateral movement kills him and that's exactly what Sanchez was doing against him this that night um, uh, what, uh, what else I wanted to say yeah but the fight itself so Sanchez versus Ajakpa look most of the podcasts were very they were all criticizing uh this fight and yeah it was not very very exciting i do agree with it but a lot of people were certainly criticizing sanchez which based on what i saw in his previous fights from sanchez it's easy to me to to answer why why they think that he was not as aggressive and uh, big up to you, Danny Nunez. I'll read your comment in a second. Just please give me a second, a minute to 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 say a things or two about a thing or two about this fight. Yeah, the thing with this fight was people are overly criticizing Sanchez as if it was his fault that the fight was not as exciting. But in my opinion, the the truth cannot be further from the truth. And uh, I'll I'll tell you why. Yeah, he was moving moving around using the lateral movement, controlling the distance. But it was a Jagba who was who was more defensive than him. And I'll I'll, I'll show you how. Yeah, the the only difference is that. It was Sanchez who had his back against the ropes and not Sanchez, uh, and not Ajakba, sorry. Ajakba was the one who was at the center of the ring, but he was more defensive uh, because he was so scared after um, eating some counters, some jabs, some quick jabs from, uh, from Sanchez, who's a natural counter puncher. He was so afraid to open up, and all he was doing was stepping in with the jab and uh, jumping right back out of 
Sanchez is rich. So that's why Ajakta himself was very defensive, even more so than, uh, than Sanchez was in this fight. The only difference is that, that like I said, Ajakba was at the center of the ring. So seeing a fighter at the center of the ring, people would say automatically say that this is the aggressor, which was not the case in this fight at all, because if so, he would be able to open up more, but with the counters, counter jabs or uh, counter straights that he was hitting constantly from, uh, from Sanchez, he was so scared to open up. And um, that's why he, he was not willing to open up. And all he did was step in with the jab and step out as quick as possible in order to try to limit Sanchez's offense. And Sanchez, he's a, he's a natural counterpuncher. And not only that he can uh, counterweight one single punch, but he, in fact, can counter with combos. And he's very, very violent with his combos. I mean, very explosive. Kind of, in that regard, reminds me of Marquez and some other fighters as well. Uh, very, very, very good timing, very explosive. And uh, the moment you give him an opening, he's not only going to 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 throw a single, a single punch counter, but even more if you're there in the pocket, if you, if you don't move away. So it was a Jagba neutralizing, or at least trying to neutralize his Sanchez's offense. Only that he was at the center of the ring. Uh, and that's something to remember. Yeah, but overall, not a very exciting fight. Um, Sanchez dropped him. I knew what would happen, although... I was not very aware up till very recently about their fights and what they are as, a f as fighters. But rewatching, analyzing, studying their film, I quickly saw what either of them can, can do. And I can tell you that I have a very, very high opinion of Sanchez. I mean, not that, not that he's amazing, but he's, he's very good. Now, I haven't spent hours and hours in order to study his, his style and see how how far exact how far exactly he could go but but i would tell you he's a he's a very nice fighter and we'll see hopefully his next fight is a more, more even even a, an even bigger fight so it will give me a reason to studying closer and to see just how far he can go in my, my opinion. And uh, let's go to the main event. But before that, let me give a shout out to Danny Nunez. Sorry, Danny. Danny Nunez, Andrew, Andrew Stone, as well as Wayne Coonery. Big up to all you guys. Thank you for being here. First time here, uh, seeing you here. Yeah, so my name is official. Uh, corruption in boxing may jump in later, but we'll see. 
So let me go back to what Danny Nunez said. What do you think is next for both Hellenius and Kovnatsky? Uh, that's a good question. Oh, by the way, I forgot to, to speak about that fight, about that one. Maybe that's this is the right the right moment to to go into it before speaking about Fury and Wilder. I don't know, honestly, honestly, I was not. Uh, I, I have to be honest with you, Danny. I have such a low opinion of this current uh, heavyweight division. And um, this division is supposed to be a golden age of the heavyweights, but I cannot disagree more personally. So I was not really following the careers of Kovnatsky and Hellenius. I mean, all I all I needed to see from Kovnatsky was uh, not only the, the first fight where uh, Hellenius took his head off, but uh, also his performance against, um, what's his name, uh, the guy that Reese fought as well, that Wilder fought, uh, the Latino guy, the... Oh, Ariola, Chris Ariola, Chris Ariola, yeah. In my opinion, uh, again, I was not studying that fight, neither. But watching it live, I remember Ariola being a much, a much tighter in the exchanges, you know, uh, much more compact than him. And I saw him uh, winging his punches, getting out of balance. And uh, Chris Ariola was, was a much sharper boxer than him. It was an exciting fight, but... I don't know. I was not not even uh, scoring that fight. Cannot remember it properly, but I thought that Ariola was winning a lot of rounds. And I, I'm, if I go and rewatch that fight, don't be surprised if if I get the impression that that Chris Ariola was dropped. Yeah, but basically, Danny, in my opinion, Kovnatsky is. Uh, built uh, was in my opinion pbc was trying to build build him up as a potential big opponent big future opponent for uh Deontay wilder and so that's exactly what they were doing pbc and al Heyman. so i don't know i don't know i from the looks of it I don't know what other heavyweights PBC have, but uh, yeah, I know that they have a lot of heavyweights, but I wouldn't say he he would be in a serious fight. Probably a gatekeeper, a fighter for, for the other heavyweights, the other PBC heavyweights to beat on. We'll see. Or maybe, maybe even in case, in case Walder does not retire and stays in the game, maybe <laughs> although the idea of Al Heyman and PBC was to have a big fight between the undefeated, uh, I mean, not un well, yeah, back in the day while he was still undefeated, they, they, they were banking on uh, 
Wilder fighting Fury, beating Fury, and not having a trilogy. So then they would they would beat uh, Wilder against Kovnatsky, and Kovnatsky was neither supposed to lose against Hellenius. So they were planning Wilder versus Kovnatsky to be a so-called super fight for PBC, a so-called super heavyweight PBC fight. But that didn't happen. On the other hand, what, what could happen? Kovnatsky, on the other hand, can still fight Wilder, but being that both of their careers are going, taking a different direction, uh, he may be used for Wilder to, to you know, to, to, to kind of try to, to revive his career. And Hellenius, well, he's he, talking about reviving uh, his career, career, a career. Hellenius definitely did, uh, did that, did, just did it. So yeah, two wins against Kamnatsky to, um, I would say it was not, neither of them was a big fight, but kind of at the same time, kind of on a big stage. So yeah, Hellenius, he can expect some good fights to get into some good big fights, maybe even become uh, become a mandatory, you never know. But yeah, I'm I'm interested to see in what's going to happen next for Hellenius. But yeah, I'm not I'm not very impressed with his defense. I mean, he's very hitable. And one thing about the fight between uh, this rematch in between Kovnatsky and Hellenius, I had the impression that in, uh, unlike in the first fight, Kovnatsky was even way worse. Uh, because from what I remember from their first fight, Kovnatsky was at least jabbing and uh, a lot of his jabs were uh, landing on Hellenius. So it was not like uh, Hellenius was able to to do a great job of defending from uh, Kovnatsky's jab, but Kovnatsky's jab was nowhere to be found in this rematch. And it was, in my opinion, it was... Uh, it was so ugly what what uh, Kovnatsky was doing, and I'm glad. Uh, big up to big up to to the referee because this is this is something that I always wanted the referees to do when it comes to low blows. I mean, most of them would let a fighter, especially the A side fighter, which uh, Kovnatsky was in this case. I mean, certainly certainly a political A-side because uh, he was the man in between those two guys who PBC was banking on to win. They had uh, kind of big hopes for Konatsky. So for the referee to, to disqualify him that early, instead of letting a fighter landing low blows round after round for the, throughout the whole fight and then finally deduct a point or two in the championship rounds. That's That, that was always something that got on my nerves. I always, always fucking hated it. And I was very surprised that this, ha- this happened. Couldn't believe that referee was doing what we saw him doing in the ring. 
and I was quite pleasantly surprised. Uh, yeah, and by the way, speaking of the DQ, I think it was later returned into a TKO victory for Hellenius, which was weird. But anyways, huge props to, to the ref. I don't know who that was, but, but I certainly liked what I saw from him. Great refereeing because, yeah, you cannot allow a fighter to, to low blow his opponent throughout the whole fight. And then he's hurting his opponent. Uh, he's sapping his, his stamina, everything. And not punish him, letting him go go do that throughout the whole fight, and only deduct a point or two in the late in the late rounds. That's disgusting. Think about uh, Klitschko versus Pavetkin, which happened in the middle of the mass in the middle of Russia, in Moscow. But yeah, let's go on from there. I hope uh, I I kind of gave you a reply. <clears throat> Uh, what else is there? Uh, Azzy, Azzy is saying Sanchez is getting too big, in my opinion, too much muscles. Probably, maybe. But I'm not sure about it, uh, Azzy, for the sole reason, only reason that uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't following Sanchez for a long time. So I was not really able to, 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 to see uh, the change in, in his frame in in his weight, so you're, you're probably more knowledgeable than me when it comes to his his weight in the previous fights, etc. You get you get what I'm saying. Andrew Stone said, "Beautiful boxing from Fury." Don't worry, Andrew. We'll get into it in a second. Big up, big up to you. Thank you for being here. Uh, as you also seeing Robert nearly close. Adam's eye in first round, and after that, it got only worse. Yeah, yeah, spot on, Azzy, spot on. Uh, Andrew, Andrew, uh, sorry for mispronouncing your name, nothing personal. He's saying I have Kovnatsky around 33 in my updated heavyweight rankings. Oh, so uh, Andrew. So it sounds like you you're a big you are a big heavyweight fan and uh, so you're paying at least you are paying a close attention to to the heavyweight division. So look, man, uh, you can you can give your list. I can read it right here on the show if you want. Your, at least your top ten, top fifteen, whatever. But I'm not surprised because Kovnatsky, with his last two performances against Hellenius, does not deserve it. Danny Nunez said, makes sense. Uh, it was about uh, what they previously said, I guess. Azzy saying Kovnatsky didn't shave his chest for this fight, probably why he lost. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> didn't get metrosexual for 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 this Saturday. And then he also saying, oh yeah, Kovnatsky was blatantly low blowing. Yeah, man. And it, yeah, like I said. Like I told you, in my opinion, it was a great thing. What 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 the ref did, I loved it. I lo I loved the decision. 
as I saying, Sanchez was like uh, two or five pounds three years ago. Mm, interesting. And uh, now he will he. Oh wait! Uh, right now wasn't he like uh, two forty five something like that? Let me see. Just a second. Big up, big up, big up to OG Boogie. Big up to you, sir. Always nice to see you. Big up to G Boogie. Okay, so let me go to FA Jagba's box rack. From there, I go to oh, uh, two thirty-seven for uh, for Frank Sanchez. Two thirty-seven. Yeah. So let me go. Let me go through. Oh, Aziz, totally right, man. In the October of 2018, fighting against Garrett Wilson, um, Frank Sanchez was waiting 205 pounds. Man, in, in May of 2018, he was waiting barely about the limit, uh, 201 pounds against Lemon Keppers. Yeah, yeah, you're so right. But as it, maybe, maybe, just maybe, yeah, it tells me that possibly the reason behind it was he certainly didn't didn't feel okay about his chin. So maybe that's the reason why he had, he put on some weight. But that's just uh, an idea that I have. It looks to me that way. Of course, I may be wrong, but that's the first thing. First thing that pops pops into my mind when when thinking for a reason for that. Um, OG Boogie saying Adam took what he learned from Andrew Galada and rolled with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what, Boogie? I forgot to say that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to say the same thing earlier, minutes earlier when I was talking about the fight. Yeah. <laughs> damn, damn right. Just like Galada. <laughs> oh, man. What's up with the Polish fighters and the low blows? Uh, as he's saying, Sanchez putting on so much muscles. So much muscle zone is the question. His question under Reynoso. Oh yeah, so so yeah, I think I heard from someone that Sanchez, but I'm not sure. Uh, Azzy, can you confirm uh, confirm it to me? So Sanchez is training with Reynosos, right? Because I think I heard of it a day or two ago, but had no idea who he was training with. Because you know, even when watching his his fights the other day. I was never paying attention to what's happening in the corner. I'm always skipping what's happening in between the rounds. Danny Nunez saying, it seems this pulse take a lot. I don't know what's happening. I don't know. Hey, but, but I can tell you uh, what's his name? Big Baby Miller. He's a, he's a so-called black pole. He's not load blowing, right? Cannot remember. <laughs> but for sure doing some other things. As he's saying, yes, Canelo even spars with Sanchez. Oh, fuck. Oh, yeah. Oh. 
Well, yeah, as a, in that in that case, you can only guess how how he gained those thirty plus pounds. But it is what it is. Let's go to the main event. I hit, I have my lemonade here. Replenishing my gas tank. Yeah, so guys, what you thought about the fight, the, the third fight? To me, in my personal opinion, there was no need for, for this third fight. Although, of course, uh, being that Deontay Wilder, Deontay, oh, if OG Boogie was here, <laughs> he would perfectly uh, do that voice from, uh, from, from the creator of uh, Wilder's Mask, Ring Robe. Deontay. <laughs> uh, yeah, but the main event, man, I don't know. Certainly before this fight, I was thinking there was no need for it. Because we saw what happened in the second fight. Now, already in the second fight, there was a lot of dirty, sloppy work from both of them. Dirty, sloppy, and also illegal work from both of them. And... Uh, yeah, but at the same time, at the same time, it's not illegal to to use your your weight uh, to to lean over your opponent. But what is illegal is to to hold all the time. And also, as well, there is a tiny fine line, tiny fine line, in between the clinches, the clinching, and holding. And what's in, what is allowed in there, and what is not allowed. So yeah, but I, I must say that in the second fight, in the rematch, Tyson Fury was much better physically prepared than for this third fight, and it was it was visible. But great performance. I mean. Uh, I, I would not really say fantastic, great performance, but huge heart was shown from both of them. And I do mean both of them. But it didn't surprise me because uh, I already saw it in their previous fights. And I'm not only talking about the rematch, but their other fights, both of them showed heart many times. Uh, let's go, let's start with the ante. So, yeah, I thought that it was... It was crazy what was happening in the first Ortiz fight. Uh, I mean, I know that it took place in New York and uh, after what happened uh, a couple of years ago there with Magomedov, who was fighting, uh, not Takam, but what's the other, uh, the other Cuban's name? Forgot his name, but you know that Magomedov finished in coma, etc. It was, it was terrible. So... The commission, the New York Athletic Commission, decided to let um, to let the ring doctors intervene at the beginning of the round of the rounds if they if they think they sh they need to do it. But the thing with it is, man, it's it's even worse for for, for the hurt fighter. Because you're giving him time to to take a breath 
but not enough breath to to be fully ready. Just, just what you're doing, you're, you're just letting him take a few breaths and then it's back to him beating, beating he, getting his brain beaten out of his skull. Uh, I would much more prefer for for a hurt, a visibly terribly hurt fighter to get sparked out with one clean punch, with one punch KO. I do think it's more, more, much more safe for the fighters than letting them take the prolonged beatings. And speaking of the prolonged beatings, man, <laughs> I have a lot to say about this fight just as I had about the rematch. But let me, give me just a quick second to talk about Fury's heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, no, 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 no. Let me go back to Deante. Deante. Anyways, uh, Deante in that fight, despite me not liking what the ring doctor was doing, giving him some time, etc. But despite that, he showed a huge heart in that fight, in the first Ortiz fight, over he really did anything and everything possible to stay on his feet. Um, yeah, so that was the moment I saw that. Because kind of before that fight, to be, to be honest with you, I thought because his balance is so fucking terrible that he's going to get sparked out with with the first first huge clean punch he takes he takes on his chin but man his his recovery recovery abilities his chin were so fucking good so much heart so big props to Deante for that and Tyson Fury there there are many fights that he pushed 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 through through the adversity I mean, people are criticizing him for that fight, uh, the one that he had against Fallin just before uh, the the Wilder rematch. But I, I always completely disagreed with what most of the people saw in that fight because to me personally, it was an easy, if not eight to four or nine to three type of fight for uh, for Fury. Fury, who, by the way, got seriously hurt in the late rounds of that fight. But the work rate that he showed, the stamina and the, the willingness to, to, to pressure Wallin was great. And there are some other fights as well for him that, that he showed the same heart. And uh, he showed it, of course, in the first fight against Wilder, but also in in this in this third fight. So yeah, I knew. So it's just telling you that that from the get go, I knew very well that both of them have not only very good chins, but they have heart. So I was not surprised by what happened. But Tyson Fury, look, uh, I, I'm I'm trying not to speak in a corruption in corruption's name, but corruption in boxing told me, and he was right before the fight that he saw he saw that Tyson Fury was not in a, in a great shape. He was looking very pudgy, and it was visible in the ring. And plus, on top of that. 
he had problems with his newborn daughter. Uh, his newborn daughter had uh, had some health health problems. So all of that may have played a part in, in his preparation. Although he's claiming that he was training nonstop and being that uh, he was training for, for the past six, six month, months with the fights being canceled, first training for, uh, for, for the German to fight that Turkish or German Kabayel. Then he was supposed to fight Anthony Joshua then he was supposed to fight Wilder, then that got postponed. He basically had four training camps in the past six months, but you could you could just see that he was not not as sharp. But still he had uh, he's someone who has a great ring IQ and he knew what he had to do. And uh, in some ways he it's it's even more impressive when he shows that ring IQ when not when he's in a tip top shape, but when he's struggling, like he was struggling against Wallin, like he was struggling in this third fight against Wilder in the fourth round. He showed his ring IQ, his chin, his courage, and he knew that he had to close the distance. Now, the fight itself, the first round started surprisingly well for Deontay Wilder constantly jabbing to the body, um, certainly wanting to to make Fury lower his his guard in order to place uh, his right hand upstairs. And he did very well for the first two minutes of the of the first round. But then he the moment that Tyson Fury put him on, on the back foot, it was it was it became a different story. And uh, by the way, let me read a couple of comments. Yeah, Azzy saying main event was a fun, a fun slugfest. I enjoyed it. But man, Fury was very slow, sloppy, and out of shape. Yeah, yeah, I do agree with you. Totally agree. And uh, I'll get into it as well. Uh, Jay Billo, his. Jay Bill or Jay Bio? Big ups, Kudeta taking angles on the boxing world. Thank you a lot, Jay Bilo. Thank you a lot. By the way, welcome here. Thank you. Thank you a lot. Big up to you. A big up to Intangible Boxing News as well. He's saying Malik Scott actually had a fair, decent game plan. Yeah, but it... Uh... It didn't last for a long time, isn't it? <laughs> but, but, but yeah, yeah, he did. And that that's something that I thought as well that he was supposed to do because he's able to to stab Fury with a jab. We saw it at the beginning of the first fight. So there was no need to complicate the things to try to try make Wilder, to turn Wilder into Mike Tyson, like uh, they were showing on some preparation videos before this third fight. So yeah, with uh, with limitations that Wilder has, it was the best, the more sure thing, the best, the best possible improvement that he could do to go back to the body, uh, to go to the body, go up and down, which he was doing in the first round, but unfortunately to, for him. 
not throughout the whole fight. He quickly forgot the game plan since, uh, well, since the moment Tyson Fury put the pressure onto him. It quickly dissolved. Uh, he was right back at what he knows to do. Uh, then he's saying Tyson Fury was holding Wilder's head and throwing uppercuts like Lennox Lewis. Fury seemed to guess quick too, but the strongest looking shots he's ever thrown. Uh, I'll get into that as well, Danny. Uh, let me go just through the rest of the comments. Jay Billow, the Duffus fight, Wilder showed heart. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was when, when he got rocked. Cannot remember that. Oh, corruption is here. Cannot remember that uh, Duhapa's fight um, clearly. But yeah, it a pitch. Big up to you. A lot of new names here tonight. Thank you for being here, guys. He's saying Wilder is a low life piece of garbage that can box and fell on his face. Wilder face planted and has went into hiding again. Andrew saying, it a punch, put some respect on Wilder. Okay, okay. We'll get into that. Uh, we, we on the show here, corruption in boxing and myself, we had a lot of bad things to say about both of them as well. So we may get into it. But do uh, Hapas can bring about being the only Wilder opponent to not be knocked down? Uh, yeah, yeah, Padja, good, uh, good, good point. But it's... It's a bad look for Wilder, that. Okay, so Corruption, are you here? Yes, can you hear me? Yes, yes, I can. Good evening, bro. Yeah, how you doing, all right? Yeah, yeah, very well. Thank you for jumping in because my my, my throat is getting so sore. So I yeah, needed a little break. Yeah, it's been a, a sort of a protracted, problematic day, but... Better late than never. Yeah, but but like like I told you, in case you're pressured, you know, if you're very busy, don't worry. I'm I'm holding it, holding it down. But by the way, mm. I, you you may have heard, but I was just about. I just started talking about um, the main event. So, what are your thoughts? Good timing. <laughs> the um, see with with um, with rematches. It's it's about adjustments, and the onus of the adjustments is specifically the fighter who may have been beaten in their first or the second fight, depending on whether it's comprehensive or not. So for Deontay, the, the onus of the adjustments rested sort of solely on him, whereas with Fury, he was in that sort of twilight of uncertainty because it, it was such a conclusive, decisive victory in the second fight, albeit all the allegations, but you know, and nothing was invoked in court, so that's irrelevant for the time being. So with, with Fury, given that he had implemented the blueprint to have beaten Wilder effectively, and we know with him, he, he tends to suffer with inactivity and, and a lack of motivation when he's actually an underdog he seems to fight a little bit better he seems to train a lot harder and for this fight you know both of them had a, a protracted amount of out of the ring both of them given the delays and the negotiations and the arbitration with fury whether he suffered 
contracting the virus twice, you know, we don't know, but that's what he's 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 claimed. But then he's had issues with uh, the birth of his child and being in hospital for two weeks. So he's there's no doubt he's he's had a problematic training camp, and that coupled with a lack of motivation, given that they were negotiating a fight with AJ and. The Californian arbitration had ruled that Wilder had a legitimate claims for a rematch, hence the third fight. So Fury's momentum has, has sort of dramatically shifted across. But looking at looking at, he was definitely fit in shape, but obviously he didn't quite have the physique and the definition that he that that we know that he had in the second fight. He kind of looked a little bit sort of skinny in the arms, and uh, but there was a tremendous amount of sort of body fat. And his weight was a little bit up. But if you minus the, you know, the, the Mark Calloway hat and, and the shirt, he, he was roughly about the same, same-ish sort of weight, but probably carrying a little bit more fat and sort of water weight. Um, Wilder, we know that he, he'd, he'd been... He put on a little bit more weight as well this time, coming up to in, in the, the sort of two thirties. As to how he put on the weight, we don't really know. He, there seems to be a lot of talk that he's put it on, you know, doing static lifting, heavy lifting. But we know that he's also employed a nutritionist, and you know he has been very disciplined in his in his in his consumption, sort of calorie management, etc. A very expensive training camp, but he's. He pretty much took it very seriously, you know, employed Malik Scott as well. So he made the significant changes as we probably would all sort of anticipated. Um, but the fight itself, um, yeah, we could see that Wilder was working on some sort of new techniques. So he definitely had a strategy in this fight. But the same sort of technical problems that he showed throughout his career and just that lack of aptitude to what his coaches are conveying in him, he simply doesn't take it off. And I had that feeling in this fight as well because Malik Scott was very reticent to, to even admit that he had actually shown him some new skills. It was all about, I haven't shown him nothing. It was just that egotistical wild almost claiming that the skills were always inherent within him. But Malik Scott just, just simply helped to sort of unlock Unlock him from his repository, which is, which is absolutely nonsensical. But Wilder came out pretty, pretty fast, pretty swift. Um, Fury just didn't have that real imposing sort of walk down, commanding the middle of the ring. We didn't see his customary head movements to sort of slip punches. Uh, his his defense in this fight was very much just smothering Wilder, straight from sort of round one. He was kind of employing what Josh Taylor was doing against um, against Ramirez, which and those tactics I, I I didn't like. You know, all those people that were raving on about Josh Taylor. Maybe they were pragmatic in the long run, but you can't be jet, you can't be clinching your opponent or initiating a clinch when you're fresh straight away, just to smother the attack of somebody who you know can fight a little bit better than you at sort of short range. Um, so yeah, jab into the body and that, especially against a fighter who may appear to have been 
not really at his optimum, you know, try and initiate it, you know, maybe with the extra weight, with the drag factor as well, I think his best chance as well on a, you know, on a, on a early knockdown, try and use some explosive speed. If you've got the extra weight, that's where the, that's where the advantages are going to be. Um, so, yeah, so it wasn't, wasn't a, wasn't a bad start. We pretty much expected Wilder to come out pretty fast. Um, but it was, for me, official, uh, for all of the, the fight may have been effervescent with shifts, you know, pendulum shifts, you know, that, that sort of dramatic sense that barn burners that we all, that sort of appeal to all of us as boxing fans when we're pretty much sick of a predictable fight, a fight that's not competitive. So it had, a, you know, a lot of ebbs and flows and dramatic sort of knockdowns, etc. But from a technical stance, Wilder, you can see, still cocking his right hand. He, he'll, he'll drop his right hand, he'll cock it, he'll line it up. So it's, it, it was even more telegraphed than before. And sometimes stepping into the right hand. And Fury, for all of his issues in this fight, but he, he still has the instincts to get out of the way, whether to duck, you know, the right hand or try and sort of slip it. He doesn't tend to, you know, operate with a good sort of, a good sort of robust guard to try and sort of block the shots. He tends to sort of look away. Defensively, he's not that blessed when it comes to, you know, like a, a sort of a compact sort of stance. For somebody who does actually have good footwork, he doesn't really take a shift like a spontaneous shift to the left or right to bob and weave to try and, you know, escape those punches. Sometimes he'll just try and dip his head and, and, and the puncher land, you know, on the top of his head, sometimes on the strongest part of his sort of forehead. Um, but Wilder was just unbelievably telegraphed and Fury definitely made that extra weight count. And, you know, Russell Moore just simply, simply was just reluctant to try and enforce the rules of boxing for him to be allowing Fury to actually lean, put him in the headlock. He was in the second fight, he was using his elbow and leaning on the back of Wilder's head, and that definitely does contribute to a fighter's you know, stamina from depleting that coupled with the punishment they're taking. But in this fight, so for Wilder to, to talking about that the extra weight was going to be beneficial for him in those clinches, that's poor strategy. You want to try and avoid those clinches because. He doesn't have any ability to fight on the inside. So all he was doing was, I guess, in retaliation to Fury holding, he was just simply rabbit punching throughout. So those clinches were just nothing but, for me, it was just it was just a horrible fight in that sense. It was something that Vince McMahon would have been proud of at the WWE. There were the amount of sort of wrestling that was going on. I think where Wilder was actually very good is when Fury had him up against the ropes. So when when Wilder actually has, when Wilder is actually constricted, has minimal, that's when he's untelegraphed, and from there he would explode out, explode with two or three straight right hands. So when he's not stepping into the punch, or he doesn't have time, or Fury is, is blindsided by his body weight, Wilder can definitely then actually land those punches, and it's that's when his explosive nature actually has some benefits, and and Fury, given that he's tangled with with Wilder at the ropes. He doesn't have the opportunity to try and slip out, try and break, break out of the clinch. Wilder was able to hold him with the left hand and just land those right hands. So 
that's when he was actually having some success, when he was trying to spin out of the clinch and then try and land some explosive punches towards the end, end of the round. That's when he was having a little bit of success as well. But for Fury, um, I was surprised he didn't employ his left hook because Wilder kept circling into Fury's right hand, which what the hell was Malik Scott not even telling him that? You, what? So we saw, you know, nothing but technical and fundamental problems with Wilder still. You know, those d- deficiencies are never going to change irrespective of who the trainer is going to be. It was This was really going to come down to a slugfest. Both of them were just teeing off haymaker right hands, just trying to knock each other out. And for that, we've got excitement. But for the purists and those who like technical boxing, probably like me and you, official, I didn't really enjoy the fight from that sense. I thought it was a horrible, horrible fight from a technical standpoint. I didn't see a hell of a lot of variations in punches. Fury had opportunity after opportunity to have disposed of Wilder, who was who I think was finished from round six onwards. But Fury, Fury's left hook went missing when Wilder would try and dip, not even use the high guard as well. He would just try and sway to Fury's left. Fury had opportunities with a left hook, you know, double left hook, right hand. That would have took Wilder out. But sometimes on the clinch, he used an uppercut. Straight after the uppercut, we'd actually employed a couple of left hooks. I think that probably could have ended it. But um, yeah, I don't know, official. I think I think definitely that the, the second knockdown didn't look legitimate to me. That was a punch at the back of the hand, and it almost appeared Wilder actually pulled Fury down to the canvas as well. So how the hell that was called a knockdown? But I haven't seen the fight from from live, so I don't know whether you had, but they didn't look like a knockdown to me so it really shouldn't have been counted as a knockdown um but yeah i I think fury just took an eternity to actually finish wilder he could have done him from round seven onwards but both of them had looked you know depleted and just you know relying on, on on just sort of injections of momentum both of them a little bit wilder had a little bit fury a little bit but fury was able to recuperate from obviously leaning on Wilder, taking you know excessive time, and then just launching some attacks here and there. So, yeah, I guess the inevitable. You know, I mean, I'd pick to hedge for Fury to to knock out Wilder anything after the eighth round as well. So, I guess a lot of people predicted the Fury Fury knockout. So, all in all, Wilder was 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 better from a strategic point of view. In this fight, but Fury was significantly worse. Um, for all those people talking about a gratification that Wilder finally went out on his shield, no, I, I, I disagree with that. He took a slow beating, a very painful beating, and reduced to a twitching sort of corpse on the canvas with blood coming out of his ears. Definitely with brain, with swelling of the brain, possible brain hemorrhage as well. You know that that's. That's not good. The, the, you know, those sort of beatings will, will will definitely cause long-term health problems. So you're going to be remembered for just taking consecutive beatings rather than winning a fight and employing sort of good strategy and tactics and, you know, learning your craft over the years and not fighting a plethora of cruiserweights and super middleweights and light heavyweights and journeyman cruise cruiserweights. So this is all a culmination of, of a... 
I think a highly superficial career and it's 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 ended now for him and uh, whether he comes back or not I, I'm not sure but hopefully this will be the end of this saga yeah a, a, a lot of great points that I will shortly just shortly jump into but I have to say about the the knockdown that Wilder score that you mentioned uh, a moment ago uh, I think I, I went on to to rewatch that sequence and from what I got from that sequence was that it was kind of delayed reaction because um, Wilder caught him at mid-range with that clean right hand while he was while Fury was stepping in and so he he got him on the on the arcade over the eye on the forehead and it was kind of delayed reaction uh it took a few few steps for him to 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 go down yeah kind of wilder kind of pushed him down as wild uh sorry as fury was looking to 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 hug uh, to hug a wilder and that's kind of he got that uh, he got he went to the canvas but yeah a, a lot of great points uh one of them that you also told me you, you repeated it on the show a couple of minutes ago but you also told me just right after the fight was that fury's main defense in this fight was and certainly after the second third round was him clinching and holding uh, and uh, surely it was because he was not as well prepared as he was for the rematch. Because in the rematch, uh, the, the first, I mean, uh, what round was it stopped at? Uh, can't remember. Was it the ninth round? Something like that. But throughout, throughout the whole rematch, the whole second fight, he was able to to play with the range, to, to pop the jab and uh, to, to counter. And just like in the second fight, here in the in the third one, in the first few rounds, what Fury was doing very well was uh, countering Wilder over his jab, with, with his own jab and with his long hooks. So that was what was preventing uh, Wilder to follow to follow up his jab with the overhand right, and many times caught him really cleanly, really well. I think that's exactly what what sapped uh, Wilder's stamina very quickly. Uh, hitting him in the jaw so early from the second round on. Clean, clean, really clean left hooks, left chaps. Uh, but yeah, kind of, I don't know, man. But, but, but after the, the third round, fourth round, especially when, when he got hurt, he went into clinching because he had to to preserve himself. He knew that he was not in shape to to keep popping that jab and the left hook from mid range jab from long range throughout the whole fight, and that he can get clipped. And to to me, that was the, the biggest difference uh, between the second and the third fight. Tyson preparation because. If he was in a better shape, he would be able to do the same thing, and uh, there would be no uh, no two knockdowns from Wilder. Um, yeah, push him. Put the key was we saw Wilder couldn't fight on the back foot. So if you're commanding the ring, and you've got an imposing sort of authoritative jab, because Wilder then can't counter punch because he he steps back with the wrong foot. So when his feet are almost square. 
what can he do? He can't do anything then. He can only turn his left shoulder, sort of forty-five, and try and fire the occasional sort of speculative right hand. And Fury took those mm-hmm. right hands well, but here he was actually on the back foot and trying to invade, you know, those short sort of stabbing lead hands to his body, which kept him back. So the the the, the speed. And the momentum was with Wilder. So Fury couldn't really, you know, he couldn't really dictate the tempo of the fight. He couldn't be the ring general, which he needed to do straight away. Otherwise, the fight would have ended a lot sooner. But credit to him in one sense, he, you know, he weathered, you know, he allowed Wilder maybe to think he's, he's a lot heavier. He's going to be, maybe he punches harder or not. We don't really know. So Fury thinking maybe a little bit more patient try and tire him out a little bit. You know, the excess weight for somebody who's got very thin legs, he doesn't really have that fortification. It's going to become a drag. It's going to be lactic acid. So later on, the opportunities will arise, and and he took them. And, uh, yeah, by the way, uh, among all the people in the chat room, I forgot to give a shout out to Recognize the Matrix. Uh, big up to him and his channel. Find him on YouTube as well as Fight Film. Uh, but he had to go back into to this fight. I mean, like I told you, Wilder, he had a game plan. This fight, he finally had a game plan. And it was working well while he was respecting the game plan. But like I said, it didn't last long enough. And since the moment, not only since, uh, not only when Fury let his punches go, but since he started fainting him, the the, the sole threat of uh, of possible punches coming in by Fury fainting him, that was something that was constantly putting him on the back foot. So. Yeah. That was that was the, the exact moment that broke broke his game plan. The second round, uh, he he was constantly on the back foot. The moment uh, Fury would start start fainting, but the thing is, Fury stopped fainting after the third round completely. Since the third round, fourth round, completely, it was full brawl mod mode. Uh, yeah, so that that was another thing that Fury lacked in this third fight. Yeah, um, the educated so... the educated feints in the second fight is key, especially against a power puncher. If you're forcing him to reset, and he's reticent to throw, and you put him back on the back foot, and therefore using your size, your reach, your hard jab, and you're actually stepping in with your punches. So Wilder couldn't really enter that arc. It was just danger territory. He had no way. And because he can't counter, because his body is in the completely off position, he gets a little bit like Demetrius Andrade, who tends to lean over his foot. So his body is clearly nowhere near in the position to counter punch. So these guys, I don't know what the fuck they work on in training. You know, it's it's so obvious. If you're just a neutral perspective, if you're just somebody there looking rather than all of these yes men, you can just analyze, you can just critique a fighter there and then and say, look, you know, this, your limitations, your deficiencies are X, Y, and Z. But we know with Wilder and Mark Breland has already emphasized it over and over again that 
He just doesn't have the capacity to listen, to learn, to implement. The, the, the arrogance and the egotistical nature of these narcissists is that, you know, they don't need no help. And when it comes down to it, they'd rather, they'd rather just sort of fight and go out on a shield, getting absolutely obliterated and taking life-threatening beatings, especially when you've got families, you've got kids. When you'd rather sort of employ some sort of a, a pragmatic strategy that'll give you a fighting chance, you know, what the fuck? I, I really, I really don't understand the mentality of these fighters. Yeah, man. I mean, it's it's a terrible thing that Wilder, with his, I mean, I'm saying I'm about to say physical talent, and yeah, he has it. He definitely has it. Um, but not in a sense like many people are saying that he he's super athletic. He may be super athletic in his appearance, but there is, uh, if you count in uh, the punching power and the, the speed, the, the natural quickness, yeah, he can say he, he's athletic. But man, if he only wanted to develop his talent that he had, he would be he would be a fucking threat in the division, uh, cu couple that with, with his punching power, man, that would be something else. But he is who he is, and uh, like you said, he's extremely, extremely arrogant. He, going by his own words, he doesn't need to learn to box, which which was working against his detriment. It was easy to, to, to say it while you're fighting some low-level opponents, but Fury... Uh, like him or hate him, but he, he, especially for his size, I mean, he has not only some extremely good skills, also a leaky defense. Also, he has, um, he, he's not a perfect fighter by any means, but he has a lot of advantages and plus, um, a ring IQ that I mentioned that, that uh, not many people are talking about. Um, many fights where, where he was criticized for his performances, although I would kind of agree, I also give him respect on winning them on his ring IQ. Uh, but yeah, speaking of Fury, one thing that I told you off the air and that I almost forgot to mention here and I wanted to, to mention it really bad, is um, I told you what, the, in my opinion, the reason is for uh, Fury having a hard time uh, stopping Wilder. Uh, I mean, he, he stopped him in the second fight, in the third fight, but I think that Fury would be able to, to stop him even earlier in those two fights, in all of three f fights for that, fa for, for that fact. And uh, it is, okay, of course, uh, Wilder has he has a huge heart and a very very good chin as uh, as he has shown a great ability to take a beating which which if you ask me was stupid but I'll get to it later but one of the reasons that Fury was not able to stop him earlier is his punching technique because I told you off the air the other night. I went on to pay close attention to, to the punches that he was throwing at Wilder, even in the rematch and this third fight. A lot of times he's pushing them. He doesn't have a snap on his punches. Now, of course, he was putting a beating on Wilder because um, 
because of his his uh, his physique uh, because of his size because a man that that's weighing uh, 270 pounds in the ring of course his punches are going to to hurt you no doubt and uh, tyson even had a good timing with his jab to to counter uh, to to really at one, at at one moment in the third fight he even really rocked it was probably the second or the third round uh, that rocked Wilder really bad just by countering him to the chin with his jab. But like I said, like, like I'm saying, he's pushing his punches. If you go and watch his punches, the sequences where he's landing punches on on uh, Wilder, sorry, in the second or the third round, he's pushing them. He doesn't really have that snap. So I would say if he was lighter even 10 20 pounds lighter if he was to to 40 to 50 he would be able to to hurt him much worse and uh, score many more knockdowns if he had more snap in his punches but yeah, yeah. it's the, the power is simply by virtue of the, the size of his frame his bones and the size of his fists, you know, he's a he's a Goliath, he's a he's a behemoth, a very big man. So it's 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 the weight behind the punches, rather than punch technique or being naturally like a concussive puncher. He's a he's a street fighter, a brawler, like a his father talks about it. He's a he's a bulldozer. So he's going to use the classic big man. He's going to big man you in the ring, and that's. That's essentially his style, and it's effective for him. He does have ability. He can make adjustments. He can go and fight on the inside, as we've seen before when he's in trouble, when he's fighting against little men like Steve Cunningham, when he was having initial trouble early on with the speed and sometimes the elusiveness for smaller men. He thought, fuck this, let me just try and walk him down on the bigger man and just knock him out and... That's effectively what you've got to do. So, yeah, he does have he he does have intelligence in the ring, and he can try and understand the, the dilemma, the predicament if the, if he is in one, and try and and he's you know when when he's knocked down, he seems to sh he seems to have his his wits about him as well. He doesn't give the indication that he's you know the eyes rolling at the back of the head or whatever, and he's stumbling around. So you know. He'll recover very quickly, and he'll proceed, and you know, get back his get back and and land punches and try and sort of, you know, make sure that he's not a ten eight. He can get back to a, possibly even a ten nine round as well. So, yeah, yeah, he's a difficult man to beat, definitely from a physical standpoint. Yeah, so. I want to say two things, two two more important things about this fight before before I forget them. Now, let's see how how good of a victory is this victory for Fury. Wilder, well, like you said, uh, having really really terrible skills. Skill wise, he's a he's a D or even knee level fighter, but with with an a plus, a plus punching power 
in the right hand and only in the right hand. And also that right hand that, like I always like to say, he, he's telegraphing it from, from his ring walk. So, yeah, definitely not a, not a fantastic fighter to beat, but kind of, kind of, I would say, solid victory, but only because of that threat that is his right hand. And also, at the same time, you can even make a claim that there is a big problem if, if you're such a skilled boxer and uh, you're getting dropped with that, with that right hand that is so, so, so fucking telegraphed. Uh, so that's my problem with, uh, with Fury, who no doubt, um, I mean, I, I, I do think that I like uh, his skills more than uh, than most of the people but also no one no one is talking about his deficiencies and i'm not only talking about the well-known lack of concentration but he he the, the, the like you said like you said minutes ago he already struggled against some other fighters in his career he struggled against wilder so that's you know you have to take it into account. Now, I would say that um, Fury in his best possible shape, he definitely beats AJ, but this this Fury that just fought Wilder, I would I would think very well if he would be able to to beat AJ. Now, even even when in a bad shape. He could still beat AJ because of his ring IQ. He knows what to do, how to, to behave in the ring. He knows when he struggles what to do, how to change the game plan, uh, employ some other tactics. But but let's let's not pretend as if he he would beat everyone and anyone, especially when he's not in a tip-top shape. Now, for sure, in my opinion, he's giving help any fighter in the world when he's on his A game. And it would be a good question what would happen against Fury because, oh, sorry, not against Fury, against Usyk. But people are going to, to underestimate Usyk against Fury if that, that fight ever comes into fruition, just like they were. They were doing the same thing when he was about to fight AJ and we saw what happened and we knew you and me, we knew very well and a lot of other hardcore boxing fans that Usyk is more talented than any of them, even than Fury, than AJ. Uh, but yeah, I would have to think about that fight, how, how it would happen. But one thing is sure, uh, Fury, in my opinion, if fighting Usyk, is um, would be able to to at least make it seem closer than uh, than AJ would be able to do it. So yeah, S speaking of a potential fight in between him and Usyk, I'll need some time to think. But at the same time, and you and me spoke about this one also of the air uh, fury. So. A couple of months ago, he said that he would not fight Tusik, and it was it was a huge disappointment for uh, for me because Fury. It's clear that he's um, how do you say? What's that expression for the professional boxers? Uh, 
uh, I forgot it's it's on the top of my tongue, but the thing is uh, he's a fighter who who is who is looking for the best, the biggest events, the big money fights. And kind of doesn't doesn't really care about his uh, his legacy. Uh, beating Wilder in my book all three times is nice, but far away from for from getting the credit that he is getting for beating him. Uh, what else I wanted to say? Um, do you want to say something to add something to that? Oh, by, by the way, you told me, and, and yeah, I, I watched the interview uh, the last night. He he offered Joshua to to train him to fight Tusik, and it tell well. You can say yourself uh, what you thought about it. It was interesting. We, yeah, we know Fury is a is a master of sort of mind games and subterfuge. So when he's talking about Usyk being Irrelevant or an obscure character, he Fury definitely knows who he is, and you know John Fury has already spoken about Usyk in the past. So I guess Fury just sees Usyk as a as a more difficult proposition than than AJ, and uh, you know AJ and Fury go way back, and I think they've sparred as well, especially when Joshua had just turned professional was it just before, but I think they've sparred a few times and. Fury, um, Fury, I think in the past had complimented him on on his ability as a young fighter, saying that he he would be somebody who would you know make an impact. So they've got history there; they they kind of know each other. But stylistically, I think Fury sees that as an easier fight than than Usyk, and we can see why. Uh, it's it's a difficult fight either way, but. It's not plain sailing for Rusik in, in, in the rematch. You know, people have kind of condemned Anthony Joshua, but I, I don't think he his performance was a, was as bad as what the sort of condemnation that is pretty much widespread. See, with, with Joshua, they definitely did a lot of reconnaissance of Usyk. And, you know, I mentioned before that Usyk wasn't able to get lead hand and especially lead foot control against Joshua, which he likes to do from a southbound. Every time Usyk would try and almost gesture, but try and navigate his way to the right, Joshua would take a step back and rotate his body. So he would shut down Usyk from pivoting up to the right. So Joshua did clearly study him. But what Usyk was doing then was then fine. If you're going to do that, I'm going to make an in-ring adjustment. He would then indicate with his head that he's going to go pivot off to the right, but then he would come back straight down the middle and fly that left hand and penetrate Joshua's guard, you know, come straight through the middle. So, you know, so that's why for me that fight from a technical and, a, and a, as a as a boxing spectacle, sort of high-level boxing, that, that for me was a much better fight. But later on in that fight, Joshua then realizing that Usyk was – you know, calling a double bluff on the pivot would then counter with the right hand. So Josh was not, wasn't as bad. He was doing a lot of good things in the fight. But it, I, I think in the end, it, it really came down to Usyk's endurance and his ability to sort of, you know, carry the fight later. That that was really one of the most 
significant aspect of the fight. So in the rematch, if if Joshua can can improve on his endurance and, and look at those little adjustments, what you know, try and counter the counter, you know, just work on a few things here and there, it's that's that's not a that's not an easy fight. So there's no, the gulf between that them fighters is not as pronounced as I think people people think. But Usyk certainly has the capacity to even go up another gear. We know, and maybe he was he was a little bit reticent about going for the knockout. So in the in in the rematch, he may go for the knockout. I don't know what Yuri and Anatello Anatoly will prognosticate, but. So that that's a very intriguing rematch as well. So there's a lot of there's a lot of permutations, officials. So we don't really don't really know what's going to happen going forward. Uh, but it, it'll be nice in the way that you know if if Fury Fury maybe I don't, I, I don't know how adamant Eddie Hearn and and Dillian and Dillian White will be about enforcing this WBC mandatory position or whatever belt he has. Maybe Fury will be contractually, I don't know whether the WBC calls it, I'm going to have to look at the timetable about um, about the fight, but I don't know, maybe Dillian will have some sort of a, some sort of a, an opportunity to sort of enforce that position. So if that happens and Fury and, and Usyk and, and AJ rematch, then, then that's fine. Then, you know, maybe hopefully the winners can fight one another for undisputed. So it's not all bad. Yeah, and uh, thinking more about uh, Fury and Usyk, po- a possible fight between them. I forgot to mention it. Uh, although it's uh, it seems pretty apparent. I mean, it's also when it comes to Fury's stamina, and I'm giving him credit for his stamina for his stamina in his past fights. But the thing is. It's easier to 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 have a stamina against those guys. Husik is on another level when it comes to it. His gas tank is second to none. Uh, I, I, I thought about often thought about in the past about Fury possibly having one of the best game uh, gas tanks uh, in the heavyweight division, but it was until um, almost said Anthony Joshua, uh, until uh, Usyk came to, to the heavyweight division. And yeah, if there was no no corruption, which uh, it's hard to imagine not having it in the boxing today, I would clearly easily pick Usyk any day, Usyk over Fury any day. But yeah, my, my only concern is that... Uh, Besides giving uh, uh, a rather good chance uh, to Fury of beating or of really beating Usyk, I also think that even if he deserves to lose on the scorecards, he can make it much closer, looking much more closer where uh, he would get the decision uh, that would be undeserved, in my opinion. But skill-wise, boxing-wise, I'm picking um, Usyk over Fury any day. Uh, and now, yeah, you made great points about uh, Usyk's fight against AJ. Yeah, very, very underrated fight in many boxing fans' opinion, especially especially underrated by, by the AJ fans. Because 
look, in my opinion, the things that they're saying about um, AJ trying to box Usyk instead of uh, going to, to fight him on the east side, in my opinion, it's not about the game plan. He, yeah, he, he can try to do it in the rematch, but if he he does so, it's it's not a question of the game plan, in my opinion. What it is 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 uh, rather that uh, in the in AJ's head, it's 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 a mental thing. He has to decide that he's willing to take punches to come in because the first fight, I'm one hundred percent sure, corruption that he he was trying to get in. And we saw it in the middle rounds. He was really trying to get in and uh, smother Usyk and uh, maul him on the inside. But he was unable because of um, Usyk's activity and uh, his footwork mainly. But uh, also because he, once he felt Usyk's counters, he was not willing to go in and eat those punches in order to get on the inside against Usyk. And Usyk being a fighter, a much quicker fighter with a better footwork, he must be willing to do that if he wants to to stay on that game plan of uh, mulling Usyk on the, on, on the inside. So it's not, that's why it's not really a problem with, with his game plan because I'm sure he wanted to do it. It's It's a mental thing. He has to decide in his head that he's willing to do it and he's going to do it. Uh, if not, it's going to look like uh, just like the first fight. And the first fight, you, you said it pretty well. And I will add, uh, after the fight, I went on uh, to, to leave a comment to precise on one of his video, post-fight videos that he did about the fight. And I told him in my comment, um, just what uh, just what I told you about uh, about uh, AJ's fans complaining about uh, AJ's game plan. Well, the thing is, he he needs to to come in behind his jab in order to get on the inside, and it was much easier to do it against the stationary opponents. And um, I I started a film study before the fight of um, this, let's say, new Joshua or post-Ruiz uh, Joshua. And uh, will show many interesting things about AJ and his fighting and his uh, skills, game plans in the future. But... Um, yeah, people, one... people, people are really going to pay attention to biology and sort of biomechanics, irrespective of whether Rusik comes in the ring heavier than Joshua, he's always going to be the faster man because he's a naturally smaller guy and he has he has faster feet and faster hands. So even if Joshua decides to shed his, his muscle and comes in a little bit lighter, Usyk is still going to be the faster guy. So the same problems are going to be there. So you have to counterbalance the speed issue with something else. So if if... Josh's trainer can understand that, then then he has a chance, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So that's it. He he's going to it something every time he comes in. Uh, that's the, that's a fact, and uh, it's just it's all about how willing he is to 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 get there on the inside. 
But uh, one uh, last very important point that I wanted to make about this this last fight in between Wilder and Fury. To give Deontay Wilder a kind of backhanded compliment, I mean, yeah, great chin, great heart. I cannot stress it enough. Really great, but you already said a few words about this this thing where uh, he's just just not willing to improve himself, but he's willing to to get the shit kicked out of him. And that's a real problem. I mean, at the same time, as boxing fans, we certainly appreciate uh, the heart that he's showing. But at the same time, he's he's showing the, the ignorance. Now, it may be also the reason that he, he saw this fight uh, much more than what what it really was. And maybe that it, it surely gave him even more uh, more willingness to to be ready to die in the ring against Fury, but th- the differences between him and uh, the other uh, warriors in the ring that we know, their fights were at least close, and uh, they they were willing to try to do better from the technical standpoint, and look, while it's still great to see a fighter. Uh, showcasing heart like him i also must criticize his uh, his entourage uh doesn't matter if it's his team that is working with him in his camp uh, like you mentioned he had a very extremely expensive um camp for this fight but also people around him that are showing him support uh, you know who I'm talking about, uh, certain channels on the internet. Now, I can, I, I do understand Wilder at one, because at the same time, I do understand him because no one was showing him love. He he was always being criticized for, 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 a, for a good reason, for a very good reason, because people were not criticizing him for the sake of criticizing him. They were criticizing him because of what he admitted himself that he's not willing to improve and the lack of skills was evident in all of his fights even fighting the biggest bonds in the world it was pretty apparent but um, i mean it, it, they, they gassed him up i don't know I, I, I believed that he never believed uh, that the cloud gate is true, but the, the, the way he was behaving after this last fight, it really made me wonder maybe he he really started believing into it. And uh, imagine the, the, those idiots that were leading him. Uh, by the way, sorry for the cursing, but uh, those guys led him into a slaughter. He, he was fighting a much superior fighter uh, who, who doesn't have the same punching power. But like we said, I mean, like I mentioned earlier before you jumped on, I said that it's much better to, to get sparked out with uh, one-punch KO than to take that kind of prolonged beating in two fights in a row. Uh, corruption... Uh, I haven't told you, but I told to some people on the internet, since the seventh or the eighth round on, I was praying for, for, for Deontay's health. 
it, it was just so and it, it was so stupid to 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 be angry at his corner for for stopping the fight and the, the way everybody in this third fight was behaving around him even the referee and uh, the ring doctors etc I really had an impression that they were scared to stop it because uh, they knew that Wilder doesn't want it to get stopped until he gets KO'd. But it's, it's so they 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 looked to me they looked like uh, an uncompetent bunch of fucks because you 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 are the 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 Nevada. Athletic Commission, you are the referee, you are the ring doctor, you have all the rights to to tell him, let me do my job, I know when it's enough, it's not to you to, up to you to tell me. And it's just, it was so painful to me to see the beating that he was taking for nothing. And the yes men from his team that, that are there only to collect the checks, I mean, fucking terrible. Yeah, well, well now we, we see the essence of why Mark Breland had stopped the previous fight, simply to prevent his fighter from, from taking a sustained and protracted beating that could perhaps have long-term repercussions. You know, that, that's a, a trainer who cares about the duty of his, of his fighter. So if he has to, you know, confront any of Deontay's family, at least he, he could say, look, you can criticize me for stopping the fight prematurely all you want, but you know, I've I've invested a lot of time. You know, Deontay is somebody I care about. Hence, that's that's why I've did it. I gave him an opportunity to fight another day. But in this fight, we Deontay would probably relay to Malik Scott that under no circumstances do I want you to intervene to stop the fight. And that's one of the reasons why Wilder employed Malik Scott. You know, he's got no, he's got no history of training fighters. The man capitulated for Deontay in Puerto Rico. So how can you have any respect for a trainer who took a dive against you and you've beaten, you've beaten him up in the fight? Fantastic point. Yeah. You know, you know what, what? What is that all about? You know, that that's like, that's just madness. And there's somebody who he can, you know, pay next to nothing as well. So. It's just a, just another yes amount to hold up the pads, you know, just boost his confidence, you know, when he's bench pressing, you know, 320 pounds, you know, you can, you know, you can, you know, cheer him and all that bullshit. It's just, <laughs> yeah. to me that that's not, you know, that that's not a, that's not a, a corner that I would like to be employed in. And, you know, just, one thing I want to talk about just very briefly official was, Going going back to AJ now, w with the predicament that he has, that Eddie Hearn is no doubt accentuating to AJ. You know, you've got to take the rematch, and we know from a from a financial standpoint and what AJ represents in terms of the amount of revenue that he generates for certainly for a promoter like Eddie Hearn. But if you look at Lennox Lewis now, Emmanuel Stewart trained Oliver McCall to be to beat, um, you know, Lennox Lewis. And we saw that Lewis didn't have an immediate rematch with, with Oliver McCall. And, and that was, that was very, I think that was a, a godsend for him. 
because we saw in the couple of fights after that, Lewis didn't look the same. He was definitely mentally impacted by that knockout loss. And we saw the technical problems he had in that fight. McCall caught him with a sh- with a, a faster, straighter, shorter right hand, as opposed to Lewis was trying to sort of arc. He would always arc that right hand. So we could see he wasn't the complete fighter. Emmanuel Stewart eventually rectified that problem. So I think he rematched McCall, like, was it four fights after that? Something like that. But he was then, you know, better prepared for that fight. And he was a, a, more, a more sort of polished fighter as well. Later on, he suffered another defeat against, you know, Hasim Rachman in South Africa. But at that point, he was a much, I think he was a much better fighter. And I think the Rain Mercer fight had helped Lennox Lewis, certainly from the center. From the standpoint of his chin, you know, Mercer was fantastic in that fight. And you can make a strong argument that he won the fight. But Lewis took a hell of a lot of punishment and he came through it. So I think that fight significantly helped him in the sense that I can definitely take punishment now. So with the Hasim Rackman fight, I think that was an immediate, was that an immediate rematch? Or I think it might have been. I think so. I'll check it right now. But he was he was he was obviously much better prepared at that then to take an to fight, you know, to, to, to come back from a knockout loss uh straight away. You know, for that, you know, he was he came to South Africa a little bit late, he was shooting Oceans the level, one of the one of the motion pictures with George Clooney and and uh the Klitschkos and so he was a little bit preoccupied mentally as well. And you've got to be careful with South Africa in terms of fighting, you know, the altitude is completely different from fighting in sort of Canada and the United States. So it, it takes time for the body to to acclimate to those conditions. It's tough. You know, breathing is very tough as well. So, I mean, I know I grew up there, so it's it's not straightforward. Um but he was definitely better, and we saw what he did with Hassan Rackman in the rematch. You know, just just obliterated him. You know, with one of his best knockouts. So, so with with Joshua, the the loss of confidence that he suffered, you know, against Ruiz was still apparent in the rematch, and we saw him just completely, uh, you know, submit his A game and employ a negative sort of running around tactics in a much bigger in a much bigger ring and you can do it you can do that against somebody whose training camp is sort of pizza hut but up against <laughs> you know up against a conditioned season a hungry a road warrior who's got he's got everything may have not even reached his optimum level as well that's a much that's a more difficult task so for Joshua if those demons are still prevalent within him especially psychologically then the rematch may not be advantageous straight away. A lot of people are talking about, you know, making changes in his corner. I was never a big fan of Robert McCracken. I saw what he was doing with, you know, Howard Eastman and and you know Carl Froch, but I don't know how much he he advocated and how much he improved Froch. I I don't know, but I don't know. Official 
he he tried to bring in a couple of people after as well. It was I think McCracken was busy with the Olympic teams as one of his other guys was looking after him. So if he makes changes, fine. But you know, there's there's a there's a lot of psychological problems I see there, a lot of confidence issues I see there as well. So good luck to him, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely big confidence problem. And like I mentioned, it also it also has to do with what I mentioned earlier, but his game plan. I mean, the question is that confidence that you mentioned. So once he resolved that, we can see him uh, on the inside trying to mull Usyk. And the question is how how far he would go with it. Plus... It's not that easy for him to do it against uh, such an active fighter with such a high output like Usyk, because we know about uh, Idris Gam, uh, sorry, Gas Tank. And by the way, I may be wrong, but I, I think I heard uh, McCracken. In fact, uh, he he brought him back for this fight against Usyk, or maybe recently. But yeah, yeah, I remember that he he switched a couple of trainers one or two trainers, I think, before going back to, to McCracken. Yeah, and uh, by the way, uh, just like you said, uh, yeah, it was an immediate rematch yeah, between you, uh, yeah. Lewis yeah. and Rahman. Yeah, so he was he was so much better from a technical and I think from a, from a mental capacity to take that rematch you know, straight away. And uh, it was better for him that the fight was back in the United States, but he was a much better fighter, you know, under Stewart. Um, but beforehand, and no, no, against the, you know, McCool is a crazy sort of character, man. You know that that yeah, yeah. with him, you know, kind of starting crying in the ring and whatever else, having a, you know, that's somebody who is a, I think it's substance abuse, you know, left in that sort of state. But um, yeah, we'll see with Joshua. We'll see. One thing you know, he'll be dedicated to the rematch. He'll he'll have a long camp. He'll try and make whatever changes. He'll stay in shape. So, yeah, he should be should be should be a decent one. Uh, it'd, be, it'd be nice if the fight, you know, happened in the Ukraine in Kiev at the Olympic Stadium. But I don't know. I don't think Usyk is going to be too bothered about where it is. He's already <laughs> demonstrated, you know, geography is irrelevant to him. Just give him a ring, a referee, and that's all he needs. Exactly, the the ultimate road warrior, not uh, not some guy going from state to state in the U.S. <laughs> but yeah, and uh, right after the fight, uh, Usyk mentioned he expressed uh, his idea to have a rematch in uh, Ukraine on uh, on a Dynamo Kiev Stadium, if I'm not wrong, or the Olympic Stadium. Don't know exactly, but. That's that's what he wants. He ideally wants to fight AJ there, but we know, yeah, that uh, Eddie Hearn straight out refused that idea. Later on, uh, I think uh, a week or two ago, I read that uh, when being asked again about the fight possibly taking place in Ukraine, 
he said we we are going to to look uh, who gives us the the best offer money wise but we yeah. know in advance it's uh, it's probably not going to to happen in ukraine which really sucks because if anyone in this world it's usik that deserved it yeah to be such a fantastic road warrior but k2 is a money making operation as well and uh, you know they they want to maximize and i'm sure rusik wants to make as much money although he's he's never forthcoming with revealing that but he yeah. realizes i think when he signed the rematch he realized straight away you know i've got two fights you know two fights to make a hell of a lot of money and you know make sure that my kids and my grandkids are financially secure going forward as well so fine wherever it is you know it doesn't matter you know just yeah look forward to it absolutely yeah and by the way uh, isn't re- the rematch supposed to happen very early in the next year like feb february or march i believe so, so. i believe so but i'm i'm, I'm not sure um, yeah i think yeah. so but so so it would mean that we we won't happen oh we won't we won't need to wait for a long time for the rematch which is nice yeah 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 february that if it's going to be february it's going to have to probably be an indoor stadium if it's in the uk because february it is february to april is the coldest month in 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 the united kingdom so yeah it'll probably be at some sort of an indoor stadium i presume but if not they they may shift it to the middle east i, I don't know oh yeah then there's a serious possibility as well yeah Yeah. And Eddie Hearn himself, he he spoke about it that they already had an offer for the rematch in uh, in Saudi Arabia or whatever, or wherever else in the Middle East. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. Personally, I, I don't want to see the fight in the Middle East. I'd rather see it in front of sort of passionate boxing fans. It's the crowds there. Um, I've seen others, you know, sporting events there, and it's. No, it just seems all contrived. Yeah, it's it's not sort of conducive of a, of an authentic boxing atmosphere for me. I'd much rather it if it's going to happen again in the UK. Fine, you know, the the, the, the stadium at you know Seven Sisters White Hart at um, uh, Tottenham Hotspur's ground was absolutely that was a fantastic stadium. It was a you know brilliant, fantastic presentation. So. If it happens there again, fine. No problem with that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I could not agree more with you. And uh, yeah, let it happen in the UK. At least it's happening in the backyard of one of two fighters included in the in a fight. So that would be great. Plus, uh, the UK fans they're always going to 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 cheer and have a good atmosphere. It's much more. It's a much better atmosphere for for a boxing fight than than having it in the Middle East, uh, in front of the sheikhs, etc. Yeah, yeah, and we don't know how many fans are going to be able to travel as well to the Middle East. So it's so you're just going to have a an indigenous sort of fan base for the fight. I don't think Eddie Hearn wants that, but I, I don't know. 
Yeah, and oh yeah, one last point. Uh, speaking of going to the Middle East, having fights there, uh, something that I forgot to mention, uh, well, uh, in our post-fight show after AJ versus Usyk, I mean, I, mm, I, I don't mean to 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 to, to finish on, on a negative note, but the thing is, people were saying that they want to see the best fighting the best, and that was the reason for wanting to to see uh, AJ fighting Fury, which no doubt would be an amazing huge event. But I'm stressing the event. And plus, yeah, they are for sure two top heavyweight boxers. But it does not mean that the best would be fighting the best, which uh, Usyk just proved us against AJ. So many people already had their their luggage ready, their uh, their uh, plane tickets ready, their uh, hotel ready in the Middle East to go there and have and participate at this huge event. Yeah, and uh, huge events, no doubt. Uh, I mean, they they can do good for boxing, being that uh, you have a, a boxing match, a boxing fight on a, such a huge scale that is so important uh, to the whole world. But doesn't mean that the best is fighting the best. And uh, I'm I'm very glad for, for Usyk, I mean, now either AJ or, um, and if he beats AJ in the rematch, uh, Fury needs to come to see him. Of course, if he goes past uh, Dillian White. So I'm very, very happy for Usyk from that regard as well. Yeah, you know, the reason why the Cruiserweights were consistently delivering tremendous fights is this golden generation of cruiserweights was always going to give trouble to a heavyweight. I, I knew it a number of years back. And, you know, looking at these fighters, Usyk, Gassiev, Bridas, you know, Tortikos, they were, I always felt that, you know, one of them or perhaps even two of them had had the possibility of going up and doing damage because they, they've just got the right balance between speed, power, mobility, which I think the big heavyweights certainly lack in that sense. So no surprise to me that they were going to cause an upset. I think, you know, Gassiev's uh, career has been very subjugated, unfortunately. I don't know what the hell is happening with him, but he's also another fighter, I think. he Different from Usyk, but I think he, he, he can carry the power up there, certainly on the inside. Um, he, can, he, he can definitely do a little bit of damage as well, so... We'll see what happens, but yeah, yeah. The, the, that's what I thought too about uh, Gassiev because he he's a very talented fighter. Now it's the other thing that uh, Usyk made their fight look the way it looked, but it's just a testament to to Usyk's amazing uh, boxing ability. And uh, yeah, in, in my opinion. I mean, I'm sorry to all the UK fans, but to me, uh, boxing-wise, skill-wise, uh, I mean, if you never knew who all these guys were, if you didn't know who AJ was, who Usyk was, to me, uh, the British fight 
would be. I mean, and not saying that AJ is not talented and skilled, but to me, he's it's probably his biggest victory. But I, I rate very highly all, all three victories uh, against Brady's, but as well against Gassiev and Joshua. And yeah, I, would, I mean, it sucks that. Uh, that uh, Gassiev's career at the heavyweight division mm, is not looking as exciting, but we'll see. And after all, he's he's still in his twenties, which is which is always confusing because he, he looks like he's in his thirties, man. But yeah, we'll see what, what's going to happen with with Gassiev. Yeah, but he, to me, it gives me the impression that he's a fighter who whose prime is going to be his young 20s, maybe even mid to late. I think anything after that, I'm yeah. not sure. I just, get, I just get that feeling from a physical standpoint that he's, he's not going to be as effective later on. So you don't want to, he, he doesn't want to erode the prime years of his career being, uh, being sort of oscillated between different sort of promotional companies and fights not happening, etc. Great point, a, yeah. yeah, he just needs a bit of... Although he didn't have a, a long amateur career, so there's not a lot of wear and tear on him. But um, I think his prime is right now, and maybe next two, two to three years. So they need to really move him on. If he's going to be based in Russia now, then fine. Just keep him active, you know, five, six fights, and then try and get him in. You know, try and get him. But it's difficult at the moment with with the belt situation, three of them being with one fighter and, you know, the, the WBC and the lineal being with somebody else and they were on the collision call somewhere down the line. So a lot of uncertainty, we don't know. But uh, in any case, did you cover all of the other fights? You know, I mean, I didn't see anything. You pretty much saw. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw, so yeah, I saw the whole uh, the whole main card. And uh, I spoke briefly about the other fights, Berlanga's fight as well, Hilanius versus Kovnatsky, and uh, Sanchez winning against Ajagba. Uh, so, yeah, I covered them all. Uh, but I, I would just like to, to make sure to, to announce to our listeners that, uh, and well, I'll, I'll, have also, I'll also have to see it with yourself for when we are going to, to do the jesse bam rodriguez film study show yeah with the, the fight is next saturday so we'll try and do it some point this week yeah sure yeah we'll try and work out a schedule but we'll try and definitely do that uh depending on your schedule i don't know wednesday thursday something like that i don't know yeah yeah uh i i mean uh i'll i'll be available because right now at this at this moment, as you know, I'm not uh, I'm not working. Okay. I'm going back to work. Yeah, uh, this next month, the start of November. So I'm uh, very available. So whenever you want, just let me know. Good, because th- that'll be a single focused show, just previewing Rodriguez and and delivering the film studies. So that 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 should be pretty. A pretty concise show, so fine. Yeah, fine. We'll definitely, we'll definitely drop that show before Saturday. 
Yeah, yeah. So everybody, all our listeners, be tuned. Uh, will be ready to tune in because, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's fighting on uh, Mikey Garcia's card, who's fighting certain Sandor Martin. Uh, so doesn't look like. Uh, yeah. So you like, can forget, forget the main event. Just watch the just watch the Jesse Rodriguez fight. Yeah, Just and I would, yeah. Corruption, sorry, corruption. But I would like to add the other fight on that card is Elvin Soto fati- uh, facing uh, Jonathan Gonzalez. Okay. Jonathan Bomba Gonzalez. That's that's a good one. It's yes. for WBO uh, light flyweight title. Good. So it it looks after all like uh, I don't know if. Uh, Sir Hearn is listening our podcast and the amount of critique we had uh, um, f- for him uh, not willing to to put his fighters against Jesse Rodriguez who's an amazing talent as we, we are going to see this week in our film study so maybe possibly maybe it possibly mean that they're willing to to put him to pit him against uh, one of uh, one of the light flyweights that are fighting on uh, fighting on the zone. Uh, I hope so, at least. And uh, what else? Uh, uh, there's something else that I wanted to say. Yeah, I know. For everybody who's uh, who is listening to us uh, any other way than on YouTube, meaning uh, all of you on Spotify, Google Podcast, Radio Republic Breaker, Anchor, etc., etc. Uh, just uh, make sure to try to to, to watch uh, Jesse Bam Rodriguez film study that we are going to do this week on YouTube because of course you will be un- unavailable to to see the footage that we are going to show. Cool. On that note, um, nothing more to say for me, my friend. No. Same for me. Right. I just want to thank everybody who joined us for the live YouTube feed of the show and a big up to everybody who will be replaying the show back on YouTube and all of the other podcast platforms the show is on as well. Thank you for your support.